Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome, Sky community. Welcome back to another episode of Sky Women. Today, we are talking all about nutrition and how to eat healthy because so often people want to eat healthy. They know they need to eat better, but they're just not quite sure how to do it. And our American diet definitely makes it hard. Today, I have with us an absolute expert, Dr. Brooke Stubbs. Welcome, Brooke. Hi, I'm so happy to be here with you again, as always. Yes, yes. So Brooke is a returning guest to the podcast. We talked a lot about her, her infertility journey and her last episode. It was a year ago. And she is back today because she has a degree in nutrition and she's an internal medicine doctor and she's worked in cancer, right? In, in uh, hospice, bone marrow. Care, right? Well, the bone marrow transplant service, there's a hospitalist for right. them, not a, not a hospice, hospitalist. Hospitalist. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Right. So you have had a lot, I mean, you've had a lot of training and preventative medicine, right? Mm-hmm. You lifestyle. Yes. I just got last. November, I got board certified in lifestyle medicine. So right. of course, leading up to that, I had been studying, actually was set to take the exam a couple months after my son was born, but it was, there's a lot going on. So I've been, you know, studying this for years. I've been practicing yeah. it while studying and it is, has been my life's work. I also, you know, I practice what I preach. I implement these things into my own life as I yeah. tell my patients, yeah. How, how to do them, do it in their lives as well. Yeah. So what's interesting, I just want to kind of catch the audience up. So when we met last and had you on the podcast, which was, I think called Rooted Femme back last year, last May, you were going through a transition and starting your own telehealth practice mm-hmm. from doing 12 hour hospitalist shifts. Right. Um, which is very grueling and you paid your time. You loved your patients. You were great at your job, but you really had this passion for something else. And your something else has really turned into like this whole, I mean, it's this, this a whole brand mm-hmm. rooted thin, rooted feeling, your rooted podcast. I mean, it's, it's and you got the app now. So yeah. Tell us Tell us all kind of about that. And as someone who roomed with you at our last conference of Pinnacle for Women Physicians, um, I can attest that Brooke absolutely practices what she preaches, whether it is leaving the party and going to bed by 9.30 or getting up at 5 a.m. You know, she is going to eat well. She's going to drink her water. She's going to get her sleep. So, and still have a great time and be a fabulous guest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, I try, I try, but I let very few things derail my routine because I just feel so good on the routine. And it's yeah. that sense of well-being that surpasses just any amount of joy or happiness that you've ever felt. It's like yeah. a constant well-being. It's, it's the supreme. It's what we built. My co-host and I built our podcast on, it's called that rooted feeling. And it's something mm-hmm. that you really feel once you're there. And it's hard to explain, but it is, it is a great feeling. And I I try and maintain my routine so that I can always feel that good. Okay. So let's talk about this 
there's a study that you mentioned whenever you were telling me about the app. Tell us about the study. Tell us about your app and how we can use it to eat better in our lives and why it matters. Well, it matters a lot because we're learning more and more about how we're, it's not just our genome. We have 23 chromosomes and you know, for a long time, we just thought whatever our genome was, was going to determine our destiny. And that's just not true. We know now that epigenetics is what is really going to turn on or off these, you know, genetic predispositions. Mm -hmm. Our DNA is huge. It's like bigger than a football field stranded up in every single one of our cells. And it's wrapped around these histones and we can turn on specific genes based on our environmental factors. And one of the biggest environmental factors is our food. And the reason that it's so important to eat right is when we eat the right foods, we're feeding the symbiotic species that live in our gut and they outnumber us by the trillions. So there's, you know, some, some projections of 38 trillion different species of bacteria or fungi or yeast in our gut. And they are there to be beneficial to us, but we have to, it's a kind of a checks and balances. There's bad bacteria and there's good bacteria. And we're just going to talk in terms of bacteria, but there's Keep in mind that there's other things besides bacteria that feed on, you know, our nutrition mm-hmm. as well. So when you think about what is fueling these things, bad bacteria are fueled by uh, processed foods, animal products, things like that. Good bacteria are fueled by fiber. Fiber is an in, is not soluble. We're, there's insoluble and soluble fiber, but re- regardless, it's not absorbed into our bloodstream. It's not a source of calories. For us as humans, but it's a source of fuel for these good gut bacteria. And fiber is only found in plant foods. And so there was a study, and the study you're referring to, it's called the American Gut Project. Tens of thousands, over 30,000 individuals were put into the study. Their stool was tested. That's a lot of poop. And they correlated many, many variables of lifestyle with the genome of these gut species. So the gut species as a whole, we call microbiota, but their genome is called the microbiome. So you'll learn, you'll hear microbiome used really interchangeably for just gut bacteria. So we, we can do that today in that, this conversation. But the, when I talk about this study specifically, they tested the genetic material of these species. And so a good microbiome, we've identified several thousands of good bacteria Mm -hmm. and that, you know, that show to benefit health and identifying more of those in the stool of these patients was associated with the one factor that they found that was highly associated with whether or not you had a beneficial gut bacteria was the variety of plant foods you had in your diet. And they kind of, they showed it in terms of two separate populations, people who got less than 10 plant foods in their diet per week and people who got 30 or more different plant foods in their diet per week. And so when I work with my patients on a day-to-day basis, I'm always consistently trying to help them identify how many plant foods they're getting, always seeking out a rainbow of foods, getting foods in every plant category, meaning fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, legumes, and then herbs and spices count too. So then when we're adding all of this up, 
throughout the week, we want the variety to be 30 because you could have five vegetables a day, but you could have, you know, broccoli every day and cauliflower every day and carrots every day. And you're not really growing the diverse species that could be beneficial to your health. Mm -hmm. And so important, the key is the variety. And so it's kind of hard to keep up with because you can think like, like we talk about, you can think you're eating great, but you really just don't know that you could be doing better for yourself. Right. And so the app is a simple way to do that. It's, I love it. I, it was a lot of, you know, just, it was just a labor of love. It was a lot of work, a lot of data entry. I did, I put in all of the information in the (laughs) app, everything you see in the catalog came from me and I'm still building it. And eventually we'll have recipes, but you can go to the catalog. You can scroll through. What is the app called? So everyone can go look it up. It's called Rooted Food. So R, yeah, R-O-O-T-E-D-F-O-O-D. And it's on Apple, uh, it's in the app store and it's on Google Play. You can download it. You basically, when you sign up for it, it's, you have to subscribe, but the first two weeks are free. So try it out. If you don't love it, you know, just cancel it. But it will give you some instructions on how to use the app. And basically what it says is to build a list based on your grocery list in the beginning of the week. So you have a target to shoot for. Like you don't, you just don't want to willy nilly try and get, you know, 30 plant foods in your diet. Start with the things you already gravitate towards. And if you're, if on your, on your grocery list, you only have 12 different plant foods, then start there and build on that. Because what, what could happen is you could get some GI upset if you, enter all of this plant food fiber into your system and you don't have the appropriate gut bacteria built up yet. There's a threshold to which you won't have any, you know, fermentation causing gas and bloating. And so you can start just building a few things in at a time, but start where you are, build on that. And as you eat them, you check them off from your list. So like if they're in your list then you click them on the day that you eat them and they're added to your daily list, and then you can look over the week and see, I've had everything in this category. I've had stuff in this category, or I'm missing stuff in the legume category, or I'm missing orange vegetables, or I'm missing orange fruit or something like that. All of the different colors of fruits and vegetables and for different health benefits based on the phytochemical that it corresponds with, right? Whether it's beta carotene or anthocyanides, all of this stuff has benefit to our overall health. So I love that in the app, you have specific information about each of the vegetables and there's pictures because I think a lot of people are like, yeah, I know I need to eat healthier, but you know, like I just didn't even know. And and really we know what we're exposed to, right? So when we talk about comfort food, we go back to like, what did mom serve? And was it biscuits and gravy? Or we were raised in the South, Mm -hmm. friends. So, you know, there's, there's lots of meats and potatoes. And so people who want to eat better, they're like, yeah, but how do I get my protein? Yeah. Well, and I'll just tell you, I think that we are a victim of our society in that sense. We have come to really harp on protein as being the center of our meal. And I just kind of want to shatter that expectation for you. You know, I guess I was watching a documentary and one of the physicians said, nobody has ever died of a protein deficiency. It just doesn't happen. So first of all, get that out of your mind. Second of all, marketing is just genius in what they do. They just beef is what's for dinner or an incredible edible egg or, you know, all of these things are seeded into our minds. And then the USDA goes and takes money from these industries. And 
you know, that's their prerogative, but then it really does influence the kind of recommendations we're getting. And the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine has gone and lobbied the government to take dairy off of the recommendations because we know how bad it is for you. They've already changed their recommendation on what proteins should be on your food. They say a variety of sources instead of saying it should come from an animal meat. So that's like their you know, roundabout way of saying maybe our recommendations haven't always been up to snuff with the health science, the science and the research of what we know is healthy. And so there really needs to be a shift. But right now it feels a lot like swimming upstream. And what I want to tell you is protein comes from the original source of plants, right? Protein is in our minds, we want to associate protein with like a muscle. And that's fine. That's, you know, that's just what, what has been perpetuated. Right. But the truth of the matter is these are tiny little peptide chemicals that are built into amino acids that come from nitrogen and nitrogen comes from the air and animals don't incorporate nitrogen into their protein plants do. And then the animals eat the plants and then some of us eat the animals. And so the animal is just a middleman. And unfortunately, it carries with it a lot of issues, right? Saturated fat that can increase cholesterol. It also builds up bacterial endotoxin. That protein that is in their bodies actually exposes us to high levels of TMAO that cause inflammation and cause all kinds of acute issues, leaky gut, which causes inflammatory issues, autoimmune disease, back, you know, IBS. And then you start thinking about once it gets into the bloodstream, then it's causing havoc on things like our liver, causing diabetes and our endovascular spaces, causing heart disease and cardio, you know, cardiovascular disease from plaques and ruptures mm-hmm. of plaques and stuff like that. So getting that really clean form of protein from plants is, is much more preferential than the protein from animals. And think about this too. Everyone's like, well, it's more accessible from an animal. Well, that may be true, but if we have to make a protein out of all these amino acids, there's only nine essential ones that we can't make ourselves. And our body can store that to some degree until it's needed for a building block. So a lot of the protein we're getting from these animals is just waste. It's not stuff we actually need, right? Mm-hmm. So then it gets, it gets filtered through the blood into our kidneys. That's why kidney patients can't have too much protein in their diet or else it'll just shoot these tiny little capillaries in their kidneys. But every single end organ is going to have capillaries. And so we have seen time and time again in studies that an elevated protein intake is associated with overall mortality risk and And plant protein. Sorry, probably way too much. And plant protein is protective for that. So of course, the numbers are inversely proportional when you eat plant protein, meaning you survive longer. Right. So the American, in the average American diet, we are consuming far higher levels of protein than we actually need. Yes. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. And I think, I think even if you look at, so some of the more rational <laughs> recommendations are 0.8 per kilogram, which in my modest opinion, I think is maybe too high. I don't think we've seen studies to say that that's actually an optimal level of protein. You know, we probably need studies to show this amount of protein versus this amount of protein, this amount of protein to really say if that's the right amount. I haven't seen that. I would love to see that data. I will say that 
when we think about protein and we think about it in the form of a muscle that has to come from an animal meat, we're doing ourselves a disservice because if you think about a plant food, plant foods have a conglomeration of all the macronutrients, protein, carbohydrates, fats, saturated or unsaturated. Usually there are mufas and pufas, monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats, which are really beneficial to our health. And back to protein, even like romaine lettuce, it's going to have a little bit of protein in it. So if you're just eating fruits and vegetables all day and in a variety, some are going to have more protein than others, but you're going to get what you need. Mm -hmm. I guess is my point, right? So it's a truly a myth. It's truly a myth that it's truly a myth. we only get our protein from our eggs and meat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's truly a myth because, and then you, you can, you can actually seek out more protein. I don't because I know I'm getting a variety of things. I'm always getting my legumes and my whole grains. And those have higher proportions of protein in them, but you can, if you're like bodybuilding, there are bodybuilders that are vegan and right. they survive on plant protein. So you right. can supplement or you can seek it out through legumes or anything like that, but you don't need to get protein from animals. Amazing. Okay. So you've convinced me on the why we need to eat healthier, right? Not everybody is going to be vegan, right? There's a yeah. large variety of people who maybe just eat fish with their plants, or maybe they're like, I'm never going to be a vegan, but I would like to incorporate more plants in my diet. So I love how you say start where you are and you've got the rooted fem app or rooted food app rather to mm. help us really diversify our plant eating so that we're getting adequate um, plants in our diet. Because the study showed that if we get 30 or more plants, our microbiome in our gut is actually yeah. benefited. Yeah. And okay. when we talk about starting where you are, if you're not ready to let go of your meat, you can still get the benefit. Your microbiome yeah. will still be improved. Yeah. If you're, even if you're having a little bit of meat, when you have a variety of 30 different plants, Yes. So I always tell patients, yes, start where you are. And I always say, we're going to have a plant forward diet, right? We're going to start looking for more plants and <laughs> to eat. How yeah. can we incorporate these in our diet? And if you don't like it this way, you know, maybe we steam it. Maybe we saute it. I don't know. Like, <laughs> let's be creative. I read in the last year, Amy Shaw's book, I'm So Effing Tired. Have you read this? Oh, one? I haven't, but we did get to meet her and she's great. She's great. And I have um, it. You have it. You're ready to read. Yeah. Yeah. I love her book. Right, right is, here. I just haven't yeah. started it. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, I actually love her book because it's the first place that I've ever seen somebody put together the gut health, the immune health, and the hormone health. And let's talk a little bit about fasting and the benefits of fasting because I feel like that's a real big fad right now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And uh, people use it in order to lose weight. And so what the studies show in terms of weight loss and fasting is that it is not superior to any other low calorie diet. So here's the point about weight loss and fasting. And then I'm going to get to the other benefits of fasting. And okay. Do not use it for weight loss if you're going to eat the same amount of calories in that fasting period, right? It won't work that way. So like if you're going to, if your diet calls for you to eat fewer than 2000 calories, and you're going to eat fewer than 2000 calories because you're going to put it into this narrow window and it's just not feasible for you to eat that much, then great, fasting will work for you. And that is a low calorie diet. But if you 
decide I'm going to fast and you change nothing else and you put it all of your food you're going to eat all that 2000 calories into that eight, eight hour period or whatever you have, you're not going to lose weight. You've eaten what you were going to eat in a 24 hour period. It's not some magic bullet that says if there's 16 hours, I'm just all of a sudden going to lose weight. That's what the studies show. Okay. There is a benefit, however, to your cellular networks, how your cells function, how you, your longevity, your DNA repair, your telomerase length when you do fast. So people who do fast tend to have longer lifespan and have less disease. And that kind of works by that same epigenetic potential that we talked about. It turns on these certain sirtuin genes. It turns off certain catabolic processes. And so you can start to repair and rebuild. And so that is important. So I fast, I try and fast and only eat between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. And, you know, I don't do it every single day. I don't do it if we're going to an event or something like that, but I try and do it most days that I know I can be on my schedule to get that benefit. You can also fast for like a 24 hour period once a month and get a benefit. You can do fast mimicking systems that you could fast for 24 hours or you could fast for five days and get a benefit. So I just want people to be clear. There is great benefit to fasting but it's not what you think it is in, in the mainstream trend. Right. Okay. So let's talk about the toddler diet, right? And how do we help our kids eat more plants and vegetables? Because I don't know about anybody else, but we certainly have gotten into that rut of pasta, pasta and more pasta because that's all they want to eat. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard, right? It's, it's not easy. My co-host and I actually did podcast specific to this topic because it is so hard. And one of the things that she cited was that it could take up to 15 times of introducing a food to a kid for them to even try it. But their their taste buds are growing. So if you're going to introduce it anytime earlier is better. So Mm -hmm. first of all, staying patient, staying vigilant. It's very, very hard, right? And then you're always worried, are we missing some nutrient deficiencies? I don't have any wise data on multivitamins in kids. I give my kids a multivitamin because my daughter is so picky with what she eats. I am just so worried that she's going to get like an iron deficiency or a calcium deficiency or something like that. So we get fortified orange juice that has calcium and vitamin D and I give her vitamin D and a multivitamin. So I think for kids that are really picky, that's appropriate. And then I'm always trying to introduce new foods to her, whether it's beans that she doesn't eat or quinoa that she'll take up one bite of and say she doesn't like, but always just being persistent and trying. And then there are great things. Like we do smoothies a lot and we'll throw spinach in there and I'll put chia seeds in there. And so that's a good way we can get a lot of things in. Nut butters are great. Yeah, I love that because my kids, Anytime I'm like worried about, have we had fruits or vegetables today? He wants a smoothie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I make a smoothie and put all the things in it. And if I'm short on greens, even we have the little super green powder, you know, that's a collection of, of all kinds of greens and, and toss that in. And they think it's amazing. They're like, did you put chocolate in here? I'm like, yeah, lots of chocolate. <laughs> lots of it. Lots of yummy green nutrients. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And I think that that's a great, and it, I mean, we're all just doing the best we can. And yeah. I, I just want to say like, whether you're, you know, whether you feed your kids meat or whether you just feed your kids plants, 
we're all just worried about our kids eating. So it's like, you could either feed them saturated fat. That's going to give them fatty streaks, or you could feed them plants and you're going to worry the same. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. True. (laughs) True. Yeah. But I think uh, recognizing that, you know, attaching an emotion to that or, you know, shame around food, like that, that's really challenging. Cause I don't know about you, but growing up, it was like, you know, clean your plate, you know, all of those aspects. We don't do that in our household either, you know, and it's like zero emotions. It's like, you know, have some fruits and vegetables here. They are available. You know, you choose. Mm -hmm. And my six-year-old actually yesterday was telling me his favorite food is kale, strawberries, and kiwi, and then macaroni and cheese. And I was like, whoa, that's huge. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's great. I know my daughter cycled through a few things and then she's like, my favorite is oranges. My favorite is broccoli. And then I always get excited. And one time I don't want any of that syrup. That's way too sweet. And I'm like, my job is done here. I have officially, I officially championed the the parenting, you know, children eating healthy foods. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and their taste buds are going to change over time as well. You know, so I I love to make kale chips for my kiddos and then, you know, two weeks later, one's like, I don't like kale chips. And I'm like, you gobbled up like two batches of it last time. But this week we don't like it, you know? Right. Oh yeah. They're so fickle. Like last week, someone was like, will you buy me all the seaweed at the grocery store? And now she's like, no, I don't want that in my orchard. Great. Yeah. So it's all just, it's trial and error, truly. That just trying to get more plants in our diet definitely helps. And it sounds like start wherever you are. Mm-hmm. and grow from there. Right. And you have all kinds of resources for that. Now you have that rooted feeling podcast, you have the rooted food app. Of course, they can go to your website and learn all about lifestyle. What, why don't, before we go, give us your top lifestyle tips. Oh yeah, absolutely. Meditate every mm-hmm. day. If you can, it really helps to center you. It helps you to control your emotions. It helps to get your day started well. And I want to couple with that, say what you're grateful for at the same time. Make sure that you get eight hours of sleep. And that's that's easier said than done. So let me give you a couple tips around that. Turn off your phone an hour before bed. Don't look at it. The blue light stops melatonin release from the penile gland. So we're going to turn off any screens about an hour before bed. If you have like a distant TV, just make sure you have that remote close where you can turn it off as soon as you're tired, take your sleep cues and go to bed. Give yourself the right sleep opportunity in a routine. And the third, obviously eat plants. But for in order to eat plants, you have to get the processed things. You have to get the, you know, the cheeses and the deli meats out of your space. You have to change your environment. And one of the things that I have done that has really changed how my whole family eats is I make all of the foods very visible. I have a produce fridge where all the fruits and vegetables are there. I have everything in my pantry in plastic containers. So nothing is marketed to us in our own home. It's out of marketing containers and we let our bodies tell us what we want to eat. Mm, I like that idea. Okay. And then in regards to that, do I have to buy organic? Because some people may say organic is really expensive. I think fruits and vegetables, organic or non-organic, like... Yeah, exactly. That is the point. But I will say, if you want a little bit of benefit 
organic is probably just a little bit better. Now, if it's going to be a big strain on the bank, then do not deter yourself from eating fruits or vegetables because they aren't organic, right? right. And the benefit of organic is that there's less, well, there's less chemicals and yes. So they're just fresher. And then also if you're buying local and you're buying in season, they're also, you know, more fresh and you get more of that nutrient value. So organic has less pesticides, less preservatives. It's been through a different process and buying local and in season is also helpful. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for helping make it make more sense and make tell, giving us our why and then mm-hmm. help giving us tangible tips to how to make this more approachable to introduce more plants and vegetables, to how to introduce more plants into our diet. You got it. Anytime. Oh, thank you as always. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for rooming with yes. me Pinnacle. <laughs> yes, of course. All right, friends. Until next week, be well. All right, Sky community, thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.